Hey, what is up, losers? This is the Champcast. I'm here with Jason. We got MacGyver behind the glass, being a good cat, doing all the producing. We're going to be talking about all things fantasy today, right, Jason? That's right, John. This is a project two or three years in the making. We've been talking about this for a long time, and we're finally here to do it. And yet, we're still woefully unprepared. Yep. I, um, I got my white claw in hand. I'm ready. I'm ready for this to be an absolute train wreck. Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> We're going to be starting off with a baseball year in review, talk about some end-of-season awards and takes, and previewing the playoff matchups, and then we're going to move on to the recent football draft we had. Yeah, we had an um, in-person auction draft. We're going to be going over all the teams that participated, how we think everything will shake out, and then we're, of course, going to be talking about Campbell's, Campbell's infamous auto-draft and how that went for his squad. So... Uh, First, we're going to start off with baseball. Um, we have the playoff seedings all locked up, but uh, we're going to talk about the couple of matchups that will affect um, the actual seeds of teams in the playoffs. That's First right. off, the, the teams are locked up. The seeding is not. Yes, that is correct. Um, we know the six teams that will be in the playoffs, but the seedings for how those teams will match up next week have not yet been decided. So first, we're going to start off with Justin versus Gamba. Yeah, this is a matchup for the one seed in the AL division. Uh, This is the only matchup, I believe, that's actually even affecting seeding. But it's big, playing for the bye. And it's a really close matchup, I think. Uh, Their lineups are very close. Currently, Justin does not have a healthy second baseman on the roster. And as we sit here at 8 p.m., I believe he has locked in Yoan Moncada into his lineup for the week. He so, is he is so locked in, he has left the country where he no longer has internet. That is how so, locked in he is as he's away on vacation. So uh, he is ready to roll with what he has and uh, is going to be looking to take on a Gamba team that has come out of nowhere to kind of surprise him for this division lead. Yeah. Gamba's team, Gamba's lineup, it's hard to argue with. Just rock-solid hitters all the way down the lineup. Christian Yelich, Francisco Lindor. It's really it's really hard to argue with. But Justin's, Justin's lineup is nothing to sneeze at. You know, he's got Trout and Arenado every year. He's got Gary Sanchez, lots of good hitters as well. It's probably going to come down to pitching. Yeah, while I also think the hitting is very even, I do think this matchup will be decided with pitching. And what is super surprising based on how the year started out, I actually think the edge in pitching goes to Gamba as his squad is headed by Trevor Bauer, Luis Castillo, Wade Miley, and Lance Lynn. That uh, That is a staff that can go up against anyone in this league. Yeah, and Gamba, Gamba also has the edge in starts this week. He has Trevor Bauer and Wade Miley both on two starts with really good matchups. Bauer against San Diego and Pittsburgh. Miley against the Tigers and White Sox. You really can't ask for much better than that. Although Justin gets Garrett Cole and Jose Barrios, probably his two best starters, both against Detroit, who are barely a Major League Baseball team. 
They are wow. barely a triple A team. They have less wins than the Baltimore Orioles, which is almost impossible to do. I but know. Here we are. Every day, I'm located in Maryland now, and every day I hear on sports radio, Woeing, woe is misery about the Baltimore Orioles. And rightfully so. They're dreadful. But it always comes out that somehow the Tigers are worse. That uh, That is definitely true. And while Gamba does get those favorable matchups with his two starters, and Justin has a couple matchups against Detroit, he also is going to have to deal with James Paxton going at the Dodgers. That is going to be tough for a pitcher that has struggled at points throughout this year. Yeah, at the Dodgers, always a tough matchup. And Paxton, like you said, pretty inconsistent, although he's been better his last couple times out. Um, I don't recall exactly. I think his last time out might have been a bit shaky. But before that, some really good outings, uh, although some like, some of them against not super tough competition. Uh, the Orioles, we mentioned, uh, I think he faced them twice, if I'm not mistaken. But he also had a good start against the Red Sox. Uh, and Gamba, Gamba's made some interesting lineup decisions himself. He's starting to Nelson Lamette, who I would argue is just not good. I, well, I would agree. He is and definitely not good. At Boston, uh, I don't know if that's a move I would have made. That... um. I know Boston hasn't quite been the team we thought they'd be this year, but that uh, that is a risky play for a pitcher who I believe is not even on a two-start. Am I correct? Uh, you are correct. Yeah. Starting Denelson Lamette in a one-start against Boston, I think it's at Boston. It Very... is at Boston. Well, what was that? That's correct. It is at Boston. Yeah. Uh, very risky. Justin also has a couple of other pitching matchups that are favorable. Madison Bumgarner in Oakland, big park. I think he'll do well there. And then Mike Soroka, who has been one of the hottest players in fantasy that we'll talk about later, um, is going against Miami, who, again, um, should be relegated down to AAA, in my opinion. So that'll probably go well for him as well. Um, so who are you giving the edge to in this matchup? I think I'm giving it to Gamba just based on the pitching, but this is going to be a really close game. I'm going to agree with you. I think it's got to be Gamba. I uh, The pitching, the extra starts from some of his top guys, I think is really going to push him over the edge. And I haven't looked at the hitting matchups, if there's a big disparity there, but I think Justin choosing to start to basically take a zero from second base is certainly not going to help him. Yeah, that'll uh, that'll definitely hurt. Yoan Mankata, again, a guy he went out and got in a trade this season, hoping that he'd help the lineup. He'll be back for the playoffs, but is not going to help Justin try and get that crucial buy. He's going to probably have to play the wild card game unless the rest of his team picks up for the lack of production he's getting from second base. So I do agree with you there. Let's uh, let's move on to Kevin Joyce, the fantasy expert that he is, is yet again the best team in the league. And uh, I think everyone else in the league should basically be ashamed of, them, of themselves. Do you agree with me? Yeah, as part of everyone else in the league, I uh, I find it hard to justify his continued success. He has watched a total of maybe 10 baseball games in his life and is going to finish with triple the wins that Liam Duffy could finish with. That, uh, that definitely says something. Um, he's looking to make a run into the playoffs right now. He already has the one seed locked up as he's going for his 15th win of the season this year. Um his lineup, I would say, at best, is mediocre. Would you agree with that? 
Yeah, his lineup really hasn't been what's uh, carried him so far this year. If you look at the the team standings in terms of just raw counting stats, he's near the bottom in all everything you would expect from hitting. Bottom three in runs, RBI, home runs, middle of the pack in stolen bases, but his pitching staff probably the best in the league, anchored by, of course, Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander, has been uh, the driving force behind that team all year. Yeah, that top two is very literally untouchable. Um, Those are the top two pitchers in baseball right now. And uh, behind them, he even has Noah Syndergaard, who's a very formidable three-pitcher, German Marquez, and then a combination of John Gray and Sonny Gray working to fill out that fifth spot. Um, This is a very good pitching rotation, and although Joyce gave up Araldis Chapman in a trade that he might end up regretting, um, he still does have Kirby Yates in a relief pitcher spot. He's been one of the best relief pitchers in baseball. And Shane Green, who, if he can figure it out, should eventually work his way into being the Atlanta closer. Um, But I'm saying that right now as the Atlanta Braves are probably blowing another bullpen lead. All of their relief pitcher acquisitions have been an absolute disaster. And Shane Green has not really been helping Joyce out down the stretch. That bullpen, there's something in the water in the NL East. No No one can put together a bullpen worth anything. That's my favorite thing I hear on the talk radio up here is all the Mets fans calling and complaining like, oh, if the bullpen would have just saved half of the 25 blown saves we have this year, we'd be contending for the first spot in the uh, NL East. Well, you know what? Every bullpen in the NL East is absolute garbage. And uh, to just try and give us those wins, give the Mets those wins without even addressing how god-awful the Braves and Nationals bullpens have been is uh, kind of funny to me. Yeah, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but I would not be surprised if the Marlins, who we've established are not a Major League Baseball team, have the best bullpen. Yeah, I I would completely believe that if you told that to me. But uh, getting back to Joyce, he did make a trade for Pete Alonso, who really has led this offense. He's got a couple young guys in there like Austin Meadows and Vlad Jr., who have uh, kind of kept his offense afloat, Um, but nothing really too special here. Yeah, he he also made some moves. He acquired Eduardo Escobar and Domingo Santana at the deadline to uh, try to bolster what really was a pretty mediocre lineup. I believe he was starting as Drupal Cabrera most of the year. And still with that fact, 14-5, and five, even after those acquisitions, not a very impressive lineup. Uh, Santana has cooled off considerably. Uh, I don't know about Escobar so much. I think he's still been fine, but certainly nothing that's going to blow you away. Yeah, I um, I do completely agree. His team has been okay, and if you look at his points scored, he is middle of the league in points. So definitely a little bit of luck on his side, but uh, nonetheless, he is our one seed. Dropping to um, the sixth seed as he is locked in right now at 10-9. and nine. Um, Bandaleo is making a very rare playoff appearance, if I can uh, be as nice as possible about saying that. He has gotten his club into the playoffs for, I think, the first time in fantasy baseball history, if my memory serves me right. And uh, his team is actually pretty good. He's gotten a lot of contributions from Anthony Rendon, Xander Bogarts, Tommy Pham, 
Jorge Solaris had a huge breakout season. And again, his pitching staff has uh, really come out of nowhere to really propel his team. He has five aces, maybe even six, if you count David Price when he's healthy, that have really led his team into making the playoffs this year. Yeah, I don't know if I'd count David Price as an ace, but I agree with you. This is another team that is absolutely anchored by that pitching staff. Clayton Kershaw has come out this year and really just shut all the doubters up. Uh, I don't even know if he was on the IL at all this year. Did he Did he stay healthy the whole year? Um, I think he had an IL stint very early this year, um, possibly to begin the season. I think his season started a little late. But since then, he has been healthy and he has been shoving. He yes. is now up to the number eight pitcher in fantasy and not a lot of people saw that coming from him this year yeah for someone that was getting heavily discounted because of you know the back issues and all, all the injury issues he's had over the past three-ish three or four seasons um he's just come out and shown that he's still uh probably the best pure pitching talent that baseball's seen in in the last you know decade or so Oh, big time. And what's remarkable about Dan's team is that Kershaw is only the third best pitcher on the staff. Dan has gotten huge contributions from sleepers Shane Bieber and Hinjin Ryu, who are number three and five in the pitcher rankings right now, respectively. Um, That's pretty incredible if you go and look at how late Dan drafted those guys, which we will get into later when we go over the uh, best steals of the draft and best pickups. Those two pitchers have helped him out a lot. Yeah, Ryu, another guy who was getting heavily discounted because of his injury history. Uh, I mean, no one expected this uh, this kind of year, you know, a sub-two ERA. But he's always been good when healthy. He's just rarely been healthy. So Dan really capitalizing on a couple of those Dodgers guys who, uh, who have just sh- put up this year. Interesting decision, interesting roster decision by Dan, I'd like to note. Um not taking advantage of his IL slots, which are currently empty, and he could fill with David Price and Dwight Smith Jr., or he could cut Dwight Smith Jr., because why does he own Dwight Smith Jr.? I Uh, actually do not even know who Dwight Smith Jr. is. He is owned in 9.7% of leagues. Maybe he is a good locker room guy for Dan's bench. Yeah, but uh, he's just wasting roster space. He could be taking flyers on upside guys, two-star pitchers, or even just playing keep away uh, from from his opponents, and he's not capitalizing that. Also, I'd like to note that he is rostering and starting Hansel Robles. Yeah, that, um, I mean... <laughs> I guess the stats this year actually aren't that bad. He's got a, almost a 7 ERA over the last week. But looking at him for the season, 18 saves, 2.93 ERA. Um, hasn't been terrible, but if you have watched any game film of him being on the Mets, you would know that James Campbell, who famously has a save and a win in the same day, is indeed a better pitcher than Hansel Robles. Yeah, and Dan making the decision to start Robles over Craig Kimbrell, who's yeah, back in action now. Craig Kimbrell, a guy Dan acquired in the trade along with Lucas Giolito, who has been one of Dan's best starters, um, have helped Dan down the stretch, really pull away from Roman and the other competition to get him into the playoffs. I know Dan is locked into his sixth seed this week no matter what, but we'll see if he makes any lineup changes moving forward as we enter the playoffs. Yeah, I'm playing him, going for my four-game win streak to uh, 
close out what's been a disappointing season strong. One of the awards I do remember now that ESPN has deleted our awards section, which Absolute in part sure. has uh, allowed us to do this podcast. We can go back over it. The award was called the Armstrong, and it was given to the most meaningless win streak of the season because he would start seemingly one and seven every year and then win out only to not make the playoffs. You would definitely win that award this year. Let's go. Moving on we to take this. the potential playoff path of these seeds um as we enter the playoffs i know that not everything is set but do you think that the playoff path will affect any of these teams entering the playoffs i don't know if this is something you have in front of you but for everyone listening i can read what the path would be at home we have joyce as the one seed getting the bye and then for the wild card game we would have justin going against kyle in the nl do you think Justin or Kyle um, would be able to give Joyce a run for his money um, if they were to win that wildcard game? Justin definitely has a chance. With guys like Trout and Arenado in your lineup, uh, Justin Justin's going to stand a chance against anyone. Uh, and, you know, his rotation, we've talked about before, also very solid. Uh, not quite what Joyce's is, but his lineup definitely... I don't think it's an argument that Justin has the better lineup. Um, Kyle, I honestly, I don't see it. I can't see, I can't see Kyle beating Justin, much less Joyce. I do agree. Kyle um, definitely has a team that he has held together pretty well, and obviously has made a run for the playoffs. But I don't think Kyle has the top end talent in the offense or on the pitching staff besides Houston Astros' new trade acquiree Zach Ranky to really put him over the top of either of these teams. Yeah, I would. I was going to say Kyle's pitching staff is outright garbage, but I take it back. He has Aaron Nola on the bench. I don't know why he's making that decision, but that Aaron makes, Nola it, hasn't that makes it more good. palatable. He's been, he's better than Dakota Hudson and Trevor Williams. I definitely do agree with that. I know Kyle's a big Pittsburgh guy, but Trevor, Trevor Williams, uh, Aaron Nola has been fine. Yeah. But that is how it stands right now, and I think one of the biggest surprises of the season, like we were saying before, is the fact that Justin, who I thought was going to be the favorite to really run away with this league, is potentially going to be playing in a wild card game. That uh, that could definitely be another obstacle he has to overcome if he loses this week to Gamba. Yeah, and I uh, I think it'd be hard to argue. I, th- I think that's definitely the tougher side of the playoff bracket also. Uh, right now, I think Dan, we've discussed Dan's team. Is, he's, you know, you can't, you can't argue with him making his way into the playoffs. I mean, he got, he got there, so anyone's got a chance, but he doesn't. Yeah, and, uh, um, <laughs> what's going to really need to happen for Dan to even win a week of the playoffs is have his pitchers line up for two starts. And while that's something that can definitely propel him in a wild card one week matchup, if Dan were to move on to the second round where playoffs are two weeks and pitchers are for the most part going to be making a minimum of two starts, that's going to be really hard for Dan with his uh, lineup as it currently is. Yeah. And we can talk about Armstrong, who he's currently lined up to face face off against. Uh, I guess that's locked in. He will be facing off against well, Armstrong. Well, Kyle and Armstrong are playing right now for the third seed. 
Um, Yeah, they uh, they do have identical records, but assuming that things were to stay the same, um, I do think Armstrong would be favored in that AL matchup against Dan. That is the same bracket where Mike Gamba would be getting the second seed and would be getting a bye to play the winner of that matchup. So do you think that Dan or Armstrong would be able to give Gamba a run for his money with his potent offense? Armstrong's got a chance. Uh, I'd still, my money'd be on Gamba. Uh, I think either way, Armstrong or Kyle ending up uh, in that side of the bracket, that's definitely the weaker path, which is to Gamba's benefit, especially with that buy he's getting. Um, Armstrong... Uh, he's got some some good top end pitching with Jacob Degrom, Walker Bueller, really solid guys, uh, and then his lineup his lineup's very good. Uh, not a whole lot of I, I take it back. There are, there is star power here. Bryce Harper is on fire right now. Ronald Acuna has put himself in the MVP conversation. Gio Urshela, sudden Yankees stud. It's a it's a really solid lineup. And then, you know, if he was able to make uh, some type of deep playoff run, potentially getting Corey Kluber back could be huge for him. Oh, yeah, big time. Um, that would definitely be a nice late-season comeback for Armstrong if he were to get the ace back of that staff. And talking about Bryce Harper, I don't know if you saw it, but he ran the bases on his walk-off Grand Slam and exactly .62 Bartolos. <laughs> which, uh, if you are unaware of that, Bartolo took a full 32 seconds to round the bases, and uh, Harper rounded the bases in his grand slam in a full sprint in almost half of that time. It's a pretty funny side-by-side if you happen to go find that on Twitter. may have to look that up. I love me some good Bartolo content. I'm oh, always here for Bartolo back. content. <laughs> so, um, moving on to our next topic is chris sale done that he is now going to visit james andrews uh i believe we differ here so i'm i'm gonna go on the record and say probably not chris sale's probably not done i believe he saw james andrews already and the current recommendation or the current expectation is that he will not need tommy john uh he's just got some inflammation um which he's going to have to deal with. I, I, he's done for the rest of the season. I'm not sure if he's even going to be available for the playoffs. But the expectation is he won't need Tommy John. Um, and even if he does, uh, Tommy John's not the career ender that it used to be. And I know Chris Sale's getting up there in age, but even after what was uh, more than a rocky start to the season, Chris Sale's been pretty much Chris Sale this year. A few more bad starts than you're expected to seeing, but still plenty of the vintage ace stuff you're you're used to from him. So uh, where you're wrong there is uh, he is done because he is no longer on my fantasy team, so he is now dead to me. Um, it's true, I didn't consider that. Yeah, ob- obvious things you need to take into account. He was throwing 88 earlier this year, and uh, he's having elbow inflammation. I think for the outset of his career, it would almost help him to have the Tommy John if there was anything wrong with that elbow at all because he has not been good this year. And you have to wonder if it has something to do with his elbow. He's thrown like a 4-6 ERA. Um, he's got more losses than wins. He has not been his himself this year. So uh, we will definitely be on the eye 
keep our eyes on if he will bounce back from that. I know Roman um, will definitely have the most invested in Chris Sale as he gave up a first-round pick this year to get him. So as we move on, we're going to be looking at uh, who were the biggest pickups of this year. We're classifying this as anyone taken in the late rounds of the draft or uh, anyone picked up off waivers who have made a substantial impact to the teams that acquired them. Do you have anyone uh, you want to lead this off with? Uh, it's Pete Alonso. It's the, it's Pete Alonso. End of sentence. So let me Look. ask you a question. Pete Alonso was drafted by Justin in about the tenth round. Got him for a great value. Might have been a little earlier than that. Um, and then he flipped Pete Alonso to Joyce for Gary Sanchez. Right. Um, Justin also threw in Daniel Murphy in that trade, who turned out to be a non-factor. But there were no picks involved. It essentially was. Pete Alonso straight up for Gary Sanchez. Do you think one of those teams got the better side of that trade? Uh, I mean, with the year Pete's had, you've it's hard to. I, I think you got to say he's probably the better the better value in that deal, uh, especially with Sanchez. Sanchez has had some struggles this year, um, but it's so hard to find good talent at catcher, and there's a million great first baseman maybe they're not all doing what Alonzo's doing but it's not that it's a much more replaceable position so I can see why that trade would have been made uh I don't know who Justin's starting at first base right now but I doubt he's hurting um no his lineup has still been going strong and uh the acquisition of Gary Sanchez will really help him out as we move forward in this keeper league I would assume Gary Sanchez is going to be a keeper for Justin Justin is rolling with Matt Olson right now at first base, who is nothing special. He's not going to kill your team, but he's definitely not Pete Alonzo. He's like a top 16 first baseman. Um, you know, basically someone you could find off waivers. He's waiting for Joey Gallo to get back. I'm not sure that is going to happen in time to have an impact for Justin's season. He's just starting to take swings now. So uh, we'll see. That would definitely be a big contribution to Justin's team if you can get him back, but I don't think Matt Olson's someone who's going to kill Justin down the stretch, is he? No, definitely not. Like you said, he's nothing special, but uh, he's plenty serviceable. And with the rest of the star power Justin has in his lineup, I'm betting he'll be okay, but nonetheless, it is a hit. Um, do you have any uh, anyone else you want to talk about here? Yeah, if we're going back to, to big pickups this year, a couple... A couple uh, older pitchers that have been kind of written off that have just come out and really dominated this year. Talking about Lance Lynn and Mike Miner, guys who uh, I know I thought was were done. I had no interest in either of these guys, and they've both pitched to I believe sub three ERAs. Uh, they've had outstanding years, and they've really helped their fantasy owners. Oh yeah, big time! Anytime you can find that kind of pitching on the waiver wire or late in draft. Late in the draft, that'll really propel your team. And that's kind of how Dan has built his team, and it's led him to the playoffs. So um, I know that uh, these guys helped their respective team owners. Um, I had a couple on here. Obviously, Pete Alonzo, who uh, has really been the biggest breakout talent of the season, has really been carrying Joyce's offense the last couple weeks. And then a couple pitchers. We got Lucas Giolito, who was someone I picked up um, and traded him to Dan. And now he's helping Dan during his playoff push. And then Mike Soroka for Justin, who 
I really didn't think he was that big of a prospect, and I didn't really think he'd be able to put up the numbers he has this season, but he really has been an ace for Justin. Um, we then have DJ LeMayhew for Gamba, who all you Yankee fans out there know what he's been doing this year. Um, that's someone the Yankees took a flyer on, and Gamba did as well in fantasy, and he is now Gamba's utility player, and he probably has the strongest lineup in the league, and that is in uh, in part to DJ LeMayhew being such a good player for Gamba. DJ LeMayhew should get all the second place AL MVP votes. <laughs> Who's first for you, Mike Trout? It's Mike Trout always and forever. It really should be Mike Trout every single year. It's kind of like LeBron James. You have to figure out a reason not to give it to him. He's so good at baseball. And then a couple other guys I had were Shane Bieber on Dan's team. This is my pick of the draft. Dan drafted Shane Bieber with pick 160 in our draft. And Shane Bieber is the number three starting pitcher in fantasy. He has been Dan's ace. And that is incredible value to find that late in the draft. Um, yeah. yeah, Shane Bieber, I believe this is his second year. He had a... A good, not great year last year, which I believe was his rookie year. Um, showed some impressive signs, some things that uh, you could be hopeful about. But I don't think anyone could have seen this coming. This is uh, the type of production you dream about out of a late-round pitcher. Oh, yeah, big time. And then uh, guys like Max Kepler for Kyle, just those hitters you find at the end of the draft who have big seasons, really help them out. Um, so... What teams surprised you and what teams disappointed you this year? Um, is it self-indulgent to say that I disappointed myself? No, uh, no, it is not because I am in the exact same category as you. Yeah, neither of us had the seasons I think we were looking for. Both going to finish below 500, well outside the playoff race. Uh, both sellers at the deadline. You quite the prolific seller, if I may say so. And... Uh, Really, uh, I think both of us thought we had a chance to, if not, you know, be a one seed, but certainly make the playoffs, uh, have our have our names, have our hats in the race. Yeah, so I looked at my team around week six or seven and thought, am I really going to be able to compete with the Justins of the league? And I made the decision after bailing on Chris Sale that this year was probably not going to be my year. So I definitely sold most valuable pieces off of my team. Um, were there any teams that surprised you as far as how good they were this year? I mean, every year, Joyce surprises me. But That's completely fair to say. At some point, I guess I should stop being surprised. Uh, I believe he won the league two years ago. He's always in contention, despite the fact that I believe he's made fewer than five ad drops this entire season. Uh, the man's just a baseball mastermind. I don't know what to say about it. Yeah, Joyce actually lost the championship two years ago to me. Um, but yeah, even making a run that late in the season was uh was pretty impressive. And then last year, he was of course the one seed, like he is this year. Um, I also was surprised by a team who narrowly missed out on the playoffs. But I think Kevin Roman with a pretty much talentless team coming out of the draft. I know that sounds a little mean, but his team was pretty barren. Um, to even make a run for that six seed and finish better than more than half the teams, or I guess not more than half the teams, but to finish seventh in the league 
with the team. He had to make some moves to make the team better, and that's what he did. He made a lot of trades that'll help him down the stretch, and I was surprised by him even making a run this year, and I think he set himself up to be a better team next year. And like I am every year, I was surprised that Duff was not more competitive this year. Um, the fire is really out of his eyes, and he just doesn't seem like he's uh, mentally in it right now. So we'll see if he bounces back moving forward. Um, yes. Duff, Duff pulling a classic Campbell move, really. I believe multiple times during the season, not setting a lineup, playing injured players, uh, certainly playing suboptimal lineups, and then making some very strange decisions late into the season, uh, acquiring Paul Goldschmidt and Jake Arietta for a team that really didn't look like it was going anywhere. He tried to do the uh, Mets wildcard push, and it did not work out for him. Um, and speaking of those two teams, we have a matchup this week for last place in the league, and that is between Duff and Campbell. Fantastic. Yeah, they um, they really do deserve to be here. They're playing a winner-takes-less match right now, or winner-takes-all. Winner winner takes I, don't, I don't even know. <laughs> they, uh, they're battling for the bottom right now. Um, so... If you're looking at Campbell's team or Duff's team right now, do you see anything on those teams that uh, is something they can build around? And who do you think will come out on top of this last place matchup to avoid the punishment? I mean, if we're talking about going forward, Duff has some pieces. Uh, it's easy to bash the team fighting for last. But Duff has Carlos Correa, who... Uh, has had kind of a quiet season, but I still believe in as a talent. Paul Goldschmidt, who knows what's what's going on. Uh, maybe he's done, maybe he's not. But on a team like this, you're probably keeping him. Uh, Manny Machado, similar situation, quiet year, but uh, gotta believe in the talent. Um, and then Blake Snell, an acquisition he made uh, late in the year is someone who's certainly not going to contribute in this matchup. He's injured, but will probably be a keeper, and he's a, a young arm that could be part of this rotation for a long time. That does sound like a solid um, core to build around. We'll see if Duff can improve on that as he moves forward. Looking at Campbell's team, which of course is managed by Kellett, there are good pieces on this team. He has Anthony Rizzo. Um, took a flyer on Corey Seager, hoping that that could be a shortstop to build around, and he's had a disappointing year. But uh, he has guys like Cody Bellinger and Steven Strasburg that have been some of the best players in the year this year. And looking at his roster, it's actually surprising that this team has been as bad as it's been. Um, there are good pieces on this team. And with guys like Charlie Morton and A.J. Pollock behind those that I just named, he definitely will come out with Probably better keepers than some in this league. Um, so that's something to build on. Do you uh, do you have a preference or any takes about who loses this league as far as um, who you'd basically just like to see lose? I'm taking a look at uh, at some of the pitching matchups, what, what we have in this uh between these two teams, because I haven't looked at it too closely. Uh, looks like 
Duff had some some very good matchups actually out of his pitchers. Dallas Keuchel and Aaron Sanchez, not a not superstars by any means, but both two starters with decent to good matchups. Keuchel gets the Marlins and Mets, uh, and Sanchez gets the Tigers and Angels. And then his better his better pitchers, Patrick Corbin gets the Pirates. That's a pretty easy matchup. And Yu Darvish, who uh, has come out of nowhere lately, looking like vintage Yu Darvish, uh, gets the San Francisco Giants, who are bad despite what their management might think. Yeah, um, Yu Darvish, speaking of bad, looked like his career was basically over, and he has kind of resurrected himself in the last couple weeks. But again, attributing to Duff's struggles this year, that was a guy he took second overall last year and has not panned out for him. Um, looking over at Campbell's team, Campbell has Strasburg on a two-start against Pittsburgh and Chicago, so that'll definitely help him out. He also has a couple favorable matchups in Charlie Morton going to play Seattle um, and uh, Mike Leak getting a Colorado team at home that has really been struggling, but uh, there really is not a ton of talent in the depths of this pitching staff, it's basically going to come down to who can not blow it, I guess, to appropriately say it. Um, Campbell these teams put are up. really looking to, or at least the bottom halves of these pitching staffs are looking to just not drop negatives in my mind, and that'll probably decide who wins this matchup. Campbell put up 307 points last week. T- took a tough luck L. But, uh, <laughs> Against Kyle, who dropped four ten, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, you got to think that's something he can build on. I'm I'm pulling for Campbell. I think he's going to win. I um I also would give the edge to Campbell. I think Campbell does have a slightly better team, but um, Campbell... just thinking about the punishments we can make Campbell do. Mine, if I won the league, would obviously be make him go in with a GoPro to the voting booth and vote for Bernie Sanders in the upcoming 2020 election. I'm not even sure Campbell would do that for $20, but that would be my pick. Um, That's very funny, although I'm not sure it's legal to record your voting, but it is very funny. (laughs) I don't know if they'd let you in there with a GoPro. (laughs) You'd have to sneak it in. So uh, anyway, that is the last place matchup. They are playing to not pay the $20 fine or get punished. Uh, Moving forward to a couple awards. Um... ESPN removed the trophy section of our website that I put a lot of detail in for how little people would look at it. But we had a couple of words on there like uh, we'll start with best trade. Were there any trades that uh, stuck out to you as uh, ones that stood out and really were lopsided in favor of one team? Uh, I don't mean to kick you while you're down, but I believe the first trade of the season was you're giving up Chris Sale. Uh, understandably, after you know a, a pretty scary start with next to no velocity and certainly no results, um, you gave up Chris Sale for uh, Rich Hill, who uh, I believe pitched about 50 innings this year because that's what Rich Hill does. Yeah, as was predictable. That trade, of course, came with the uh, with a number one overall pick, but that was a risky trade for sure. Um, it does allow me to sleep at night that Chris Sale might be a little injured, but if Chris Sale is good to go, that is probably a trade Roman will win in the long run. 
Um, well, not to come back at you, but one of the worst trades, in my opinion, this year were was before the season even started, um, giving up a first-round pick for J.D. Martinez, who I myself thought would have a little bit of a better year this year with home runs being up. He hasn't hit quite as many as I thought he would hit. Um, do you have anything to say about that early season pick giving up the first for J.D. Martinez? I'm still I'm struggling to see why what you your issue with this trade was because JD Martinez sure he doesn't have 40 home runs right now but he's been very 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 good it's a top five outfielder he's got how many home runs does he have 28 he's batting 310 uh the re- really the only danger is if he opts out and you know if that happens it happens but by all accounts he wants to stay in Boston uh, you've got the Scott Boris factor, which you know you hate to see, but uh, I thought that my team would be a little better, maybe closer in, to contending this year, and that's the kind of piece that can put you over the top. So um, you just touched on it. That is one of the things that I really worry about with JD Martinez. Was you traded a first overall pick for a player who might just be on a one-year deal if he opts out? But what a what I have an even bigger problem with that. You probably did not see it coming because I definitely did not. But you did not keep Ozzy Albies to then instead get J.D. Martinez. Ozzy Albies has been a machine this year. He's the number three second baseman for Roman. Um, he's a player that definitely could have helped you out. And then on top of having him, you still could have had your first round pick. So you kind of got hit twice there with that trade. Yeah, the Albies thing hurts a little. I uh, I kind of thought he'd take a step back. You know, he came out really hot last year, but finished pretty poorly, actually. Um, I didn't see this coming for sure. Uh, I, I think this might, I might, I think I might just value... Uh, draft capital in this league less than you is what it feels like it comes down to me. I don't value a first round pick that highly, to be honest, with all the the players that are kept. Um, I mean, certainly it is the most valuable pick, but uh, the type of players that get taken in our first round are not of J.D. Martinez's caliber, generally. I do agree with that. Um, And it still has potential to pay off if he opts in. So we will see as we move forward. A couple other trades to touch on. I know Joyce is the one seed, but him giving up Araldis Chapman for Cesar Hernandez and Greg Holland does not look great looking back at it. Greg Holland has been DFA'd by his real-life team, the Arizona Diamondbacks. And Cesar Hernandez, while he is a fine second baseman, is definitely not worth Araldis Chapman. Do you agree? Yeah, I do agree. That's not a great trade. Greg Holland with really just a disastrous year. And uh, while I will stand Cesar Hernandez forever, um, this trade is definitely a loss for Joyce. But uh, he's come out okay. Relief pitcher, uh, especially in this format, isn't the the most important category uh, or the most important position. They're generally pretty easy to come by. There's lots of them on waivers. And I believe Joyce still actually led the league in saves. Uh, his relief pitchers performed plenty fine for him. That uh, That is true. And then there are a couple other trades in there. Um, I was a fan of me giving up Blake Snell for Syndergaard and Tatis. Um, I then moved Syndergaard for a first, so I basically received... Fernando Tatis 
for Blake Snell and also got a first-round pick. Um, I'm hoping Tatis is someone I can build around, but that's not a trade I'm going to kill Justin for. Um, he then did turn right around and flip Snell, so there were a lot of moving pieces in that trade, but that's just another one I want to highlight. Um, moving on to the worst drop of the year award, do you have anyone in mind for this one? Yeah, I didn't look super deeply at all the ad drops that happened throughout the whole year. There were like 15 pages of them. But just scrolling through, uh, I saw you took a position player, so I wanted to look for a pitcher. And uh, I saw that Lucas Giolito got dropped somewhere in early May. Uh, I forget by who. And I also couldn't find if there was a corresponding move, an ad, or if this was maybe just a clear roster spot for someone coming off an IL uh, stint. But certainly Giolito's been an outright stud, and to to lose that kind of arm for nothing is always going to hurt a team. Yeah, and in early May, it was really tough to see what uh, Giolito would pan out to be. Um, he was a, bra- a bad drop. By the way, the bad drop award is brought to you by Justin Diamond. Um, some of the worst hands in the game. And I'm still <laughs> grateful for the tacos he won me during our Taco Bowl with his infamous drop in the end zone to seal the victory. No one has worse drops than Justin. And speaking of a drop he had this year... He dropped Rafael Devers after I had already dropped Rafael Devers, and I was able to pick him back up. He is now the number one third baseman in fantasy. Um, and while that could have been egg on my face if Justin were to hold on, held on to him, uh, Justin did not drop him. I got him back, and I'm very thankful for that. He is one of the few players I've kept on my team um, and am going to build around moving forward. So uh, that was yet another bad drop by Justin. I just kind of let you run there, but uh, I think we all need to acknowledge that little combo burn segue you just did with the best <laughs> drop, worst drops That's uh, why shot at Justin. That was outstanding are, for a first-time podcaster where you're in midseason form. That is outright professional. It may be the preseason for some, but we are already ready to roll. Um, this has been a dream of mine for a long time, and I'm happy I could come and uh, broadcast this podcast to all of you. I've been looking forward to this for a long time, and I am I'm firing right now. So get real sponsors. <laughs> so moving on, uh, the most points scored award um, is right now between Gamba, Armstrong, and Justin. This is an important award because whoever scores the most points in the league is going to get $20. Um, Gamba has a slight lead over Armstrong and Justin, but it is not a gap that cannot be overcome by either. And that is why it is important for them to all have good last weeks. Uh, Gamba only has a 11-point advantage over Armstrong, and Justin is only... Roughly 80 points behind both of them. So a good week for him could put him over the top. Um, And I would just like to mention that all three of these teams have scored almost 200 points more than... Oh, I'm sorry. Almost four... Almost... Wow. Almost 1,500 more points than Liam Duffy. Which is incredible. Armstrong and uh, Gamba coming in just over 6,000 and Duff coming in at 4,600. Not uh, not the year he was looking for in the point scored category. Yeah. Let's not uh, 
get too high and mighty ourselves, though, is you and I are third and fourth fewest points ourselves. It is all about not coming in last. That is what I strive for. Um, yeah, that being said, we did still both blow away Duff. Yes, that is true. C's get degrees, Jason. It's all about being in the middle. So now that we are done with awards, that is going to be the end of our baseball coverage. Is there anything you want to say before we move on to football? Uh, I really want to see Joyce win. I think it's what this league deserves. I think that would be great. Um, I'm not sure if we should disband or make him commissioner, but uh, something would need to change if Joyce came away with winning this league. Um, I can really guarantee he has not watched a game of baseball this year. No shot. But uh, I can't wait to see his team in the playoffs. His pitching is good. So, all right, moving on to football. We, of course, had our draft the other day. Um, Were there any teams coming out of this draft that you liked right out of the gate? Yeah, I like Justin's team a lot. Uh, He's anchored by probably the best receiving core in the league with Odell, Mike Evans, and T.Y. Hilton, who all have, you know, top 12 upside, certainly. And with Odell, and I would argue Evans, also probably top five upside. His running backs, he's got two rookie running backs who are expected to carry a big load coming into this year. Uh, Josh Jacobs for the Raiders and David Montgomery for the Bears. Uh, I'm a little lower on Montgomery than a lot of people seem to be. But as an art, as a number two, uh, I think he's really solid. And then also good bench depth at the position with Sony Michelle and Austin Eckler. Uh, Eckler could see considerable work, especially at the start of the year if Melvin Gordon continues his holdout. And Sony Michelle really shined last year. The the first round pick for the Patriots. Uh, I know Patriots running bats are risky at best, but uh, I, I liked what I saw from him last year. I um I do completely agree agree and I think that is a good squad. Um I'm looking at a couple teams here. I really liked um Armstrong, Roman, and Kellett's team. I think all of their teams have a good chance to win. I think Roman got great value at the running back positions, and I love his wide receivers with Juju and Keenan Allen. He also had Carry on Johnson and Melvin or uh, Mark Ingram, two of the better values I thought at running back in our draft. Um, I also really liked Kellett's team. Kellett had um, some really good wide receivers with DeAndre Hopkins, Tyree Kill, and Calvin Ridley, and he has high upside guys in Marlon Mack and Damian Williams, who um, I think could round out his team. Really nice, sparring any injuries. I think that team could make a run. And I think Armstrong's team was filled with a lot of depth pieces I like. Um, He has two of the best running backs in the league with Le'Veon Bell and Todd Gurley. He's got good wide receivers. And then his bench at wide receiver is very deep with uh, Sammy Watkins and Allen Robinson. But my pick for the best team is actually Duff, who is a former champion of this league. I really liked what Duff did with his team. Um, He was able to get great value at running back with Devontae Freeman and Jordan Howard. And then I love his wide receiver depth as well with Adam Thielen, Jarvis Landry, and Brandon Cooks. I think he has a great team being headed by Patrick Mahomes, who is uh, pretty obviously the first 
quarterback overall. Sorry to go on there for a little bit, but those are the teams I like. Do you have anyone else? Uh, I want to just. I I think I want to disagree with you. I don't. I'm not crazy about Duff's team. Really? Uh, uh, you love Pat Mahomes. You love Travis Kelsey. That's a fun stack right there. Uh, but behind that, uh, I'm not super impressed, especially at running back. I like Devonta Freeman a lot. Um, that's that's a solid choice. But then Jordan Howard, you know, he's in a committee at best in Philadelphia now. You know how they like to use multiple backs. And then behind that, he has nothing but backups. Uh, C.J. Anderson in Detroit now, significant offensive downgrade from the Rams where he had some success last year. And Jamal Williams, I just don't have any faith in. I don't think he's very good. Uh, I believe he's been hurt in camp. I don't think he's seen many reps. Uh, I I think this running back core could be a real problem for him. And then at wide receiver, uh, I I guess I'm just not a big Jarvis Landry guy. I like Adam Thielen. I like Brandon Cooks. Landry in the the half PPR scoring helps him for sure. Uh, He should see a lot of catches, although I would expect them to come down this year uh, with Odell. And I think he kind of underwhelmed last year. And I, I, I really don't see him being much better. I don't see Cole Beasley being much of a factor or, or Randall Cobb. Marquise Brown has upside, but uh, trusting a Baltimore wide receiver at this point is risky after what we thought of Lamar Jackson last year. So overall, uh, I, I think this team has a lot of upside, but I, I'm really scared about the, pos- uh, the skill positions, especially running back. That is a good point. He is a little shallow at running back. But um, I do really like his wide receivers. I do think Jarvis Landry will be fine. I think him going against number two corners will actually help him out. And I know the volume might not be there as much, but I think adding Odell Beckham will only make that offense better. Baker Mayfield's going into his second year. I think that offense is going to be electric, and Landry's probably going to be a part of it. And then having the number one tight end and the number one quarterback definitely does not hurt. So I guess we differ on Duff's team. So do you think Justin has the best team, or do you have another team that you want to point out for the best in the league? Uh, you know, I, I had missed, uh, I believe, where was it? Was it Romans we were going over? You pointed Romans out, is that correct? Yes. Yeah. I like this team a lot as well. I don't know if I'm ready to deem a best team. I don't, I don't like doing that in the preseason. You never I know. I know it is way Especially like someone's going to tear an ACL in the, in the preseason. Like it's, uh, it's, I don't know if there's really any value in making those kind of judgments, but we can definitely see who we like, what they've done. Uh, and Roman, I overlooked. Uh, I agree with everything you said about him. Uh, I like his depth a lot. I like the flyer on Emmanuel Sanders and Larry Fitzgerald, two older guys that have kind of been forgotten. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders coming off a very tough injury, but by all accounts has looked great in camp. Larry Fitzgerald uh, continues to be an ageless wonder. Uh, if Kyler Murray can do anything to lift that offense, he should be you know, a flex play at worst. And then Roman got great value on Phillip Rivers late in the draft. Uh, perennial top 12 quarterback that no one ever seems to want. Uh, I'm really high on on Johnson. Uh, Joe Mixon, less so, but you know he should still be solid. Uh, Keenan Allen is someone I'm actually really excited about. If, uh, if Melvin Gordon holds out, I expect Keenan Allen to just absolutely eat targets. Well, you know me. 
I am a huge Chargers guy. I love him having Phillip Rivers. I love him having Keenan Allen. He's even got the Chargers defense in there, love who I it. who I think will be good this year. Um, and then, of course, I'm a huge Lerald Fitzgerald fan. Um, I think he's going to play until he's 50 and is still going to put up 10 catches a game. So uh, watch out, Jerry Rice. <laughs> that definitely is a team I like. And I love the late addition of Greg Olson to back up Jared Cook. I think Greg Olson was a great draft value. Um, he's someone who definitely could have a big bounce back year. I really love Roman's whole bench, if I'm being honest with you. I think Robbie Anderson was a good pickup, too. I think the Jets are going to be a lot better this year. Yeah, Robbie um, Anderson's a guy I'm trying to get some shares of across my leagues. Uh, I'm also excited about the Jets' offense. Uh, I'm scared to be excited because uh, they've hurt me a lot in my life. But uh, <laughs> I believe in Sam Darnold. I believe in Robbie Anderson. I, I think they have exciting pieces on that offense. I think the O-line is much improved. Uh, I think it could be a very, a very good team. So moving on from the teams we like a lot, are there any teams that you did not think had the best drafts? Um, any teams you think will struggle? this year yeah i'm looking at eric james's team as one that uh does not impress me much his running backs are phenomenal at the top alvin kamara and dalvin cook could be you know two top 12 guys uh and andrew luck you never know he's he's dealing with this calf ankle whatever he's doing in in camp yet he hasn't played at all hasn't even practiced much i don't believe um but if he's right then you know what he can be but uh, behind that there's just nothing on this team that i'm i'm much interested in curtis samuel and marquez valdez scantling are, are good upside flyers uh, i like them but to be your your one and two i just don't think that's good enough eric ebron you know he could catch another 15 touchdowns, I guess, but I'm going to bet against that. I think Eric Ebron is definitely due for regression. Um, he had a lot of red zone targets last year that are going to be eaten away by Jack Doyle being healthy this year, so I do agree with you there. Yeah, uh, Philip Lindsay is a guy who impressed a lot, a lot of guys, uh, a lot of fantasy owners last year. Looked electric with the ball in his hands. Um, but uh, that whole Denver offense, I, I just don't really believe in. Uh, I think Royce Freeman is going to take more right away. But that's sort of just signified to me that they want to take some of the load off Lindsey. And then uh, his whole bench, just there's nothing there. I mean, except for A.J. Green, um, who would make a huge improvement to this roster if he if he can make a significant contribution. But as of right now, we have no idea when he's going to play. So for me... Uh, the heavy investment he made in in Cook and Kamara and and probably Luck as well. I just don't know if if it's good enough to justify all the weak spots on the rest of this roster. Yeah, he is definitely going to need AJ Green to come back and be competitive for him to have a shot at the playoffs. I do agree with you there. Um, I do agree. He he just doesn't have enough at wide receiver. Even when AJ Green comes back. Um, He's going to have to hope that guys like Michael Gallup or uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling can take the next step forward or uh, Curtis, Samuel, Curtis Samuel can go off as a rookie. Um, there is upside on this team. It's his third year. Is it? Yeah. Well, then, um, that maybe is not the best sign. There is some upside on this team, but uh, 
he's going to have to hope that uh, some of these guys can step up and overperform. Um, I have a couple guys on my list. Um, to be honest, I didn't love your team. Boo. <laughs> um, you did have a couple hits that uh, I thought went over well. Um, I know you're a big Nick Chubb guy, and I Huge do agree. Nick Chubb guy. I do agree. Nick Chubb is going to be a beast this year, but I do worry a little bit when Kareem Hunt comes back. How much workload he's going to eat into? Yeah, I just don't care. He's suspended what eight weeks, eight games. Yeah. Like at that point, I've gotten my Nick Chubb value. Like if if Kareem Hunt comes back. And in week eight and takes half the carries, but Nick Chubb has been a monster for eight weeks and been winning me games. Then you know what? So be it. Um, I, um, I do, I do like Nick Chubb. That's not uh that's not someone I want to bash, but there is a little bit of a red flag there. There's a red flag with David Johnson. He was okay last year. He turned it on down the uh, second half, but that's another guy who in an offense, I think is going to struggle. Might have a little bit of a hard time. Cam Newton is really hit or miss from year to year. And then the receivers, Kenny Galladay, saying that correctly, not Galloway. Um, as a number one, um, I don't really know if that is going to get it done. I like Robert Woods, but he's sharing the ball with a lot of different weapons in Los Angeles. And then your flex is a... Um, Pretty much up in the air between a couple guys on your bench and Chris Carson, who I think Chris Carson can be okay, but they do like to spread the ball around in Seattle as well. Um, I, th- I It's not like I think your team is bad. I just think your team has a lot of downside for how much upside it has. Can I... Uh... Can I take the floor to defend myself for a second, and then we can go on to shit on other people? Yes, of course. So, I'm actually going to agree with you on David Johnson. I am now thoroughly scared of him. Uh, I don't know if you've seen any of the Cardinals' preseason offense. The entire offense, not just him, has looked terrible. Yeah, their offensive line is uh, no bueno. They're, They're not blocking anybody. So... Uh, I'm hoping that you know the, their new OC is going to be better than last year and get David Johnson the ball in space with you know some screens, some like some dump off passes, get him more involved in the passing game, and that's going to be what salvages his value because uh, I, I could definitely see it being tough sledding between the tackles this year on that team. Yeah, uh, I would say that Robert Woods is probably actually my wide receiver one. I expect him to catch a hundred passes for the Rams. He's going to have. I think he should have 1,200 yards. He might lack in the touchdown department, but he's uh, he really is Jared Goff's security blanket, and he might not have the big play potential that uh, that Brandon Cooks has on that offense, but this is a team that goes three wide more than any team in the league. Uh, Robert Woods is always on the field, and uh, you know if he can maybe eat into some of that touchdown work that... Uh, Cooper Cup saw last year, uh, and you know Cooper Cup's had his own issues staying on the field. Uh, I'm not really all that concerned with Robert Woods as my number one, and I think you're selling Chris Carson short. I'm I'm actually very high on Chris Carson this year. Uh, he's by by all accounts he's the the guy in Seattle, who and that's an offense that ran the ball more than anyone in the league last year. I, they led the league in rush attempts. 
and uh, I, I don't see why they wouldn't do it again. Uh, their defense is worse. That might cause some problems, but their OC is the same, and that's, that's his MO. Brian Schottenheimer wants to run the ball, and there have been reports about Carson getting more involved in the passing game this year also, wanting to get him 40, 50 targets. I don't know if I buy it. The Seahawks uh, camp reports are always optimistic, uh, but, you know, I, I have a lot of faith in him. I think he's going to be really good this year. And even if he's not, I do have the number two on Seattle also on my bench in Rashad Penny. That is true. Um, and there is a lot of upside in your team. I just wanted to take the time out to roast you oh. on the air. But uh, there is upside on your team. And, of course, it is too early to make any definitive statements. Um, one other team I wanted to talk about, too, is the runner-up from last year, Colin's team. Um, I think Colin does have some upside. But if Zeke does not play, this team could be a disaster. Um, he's got Matt Ryan at quarterback who I like, but his running back depth is non-existent if Zeke does not play. Um, yeah, this is another team that I wasn't super impressed with. Uh, I, I think you might be selling it a little short. Uh, I'm pretty high on Tevin Coleman. He seems to be the only one of Seattle, San Francisco's 1,100 running backs who can stay on the field. They do have four of the exact same running back. Yeah, and he's but he's the only healthy one. Uh, I guess him and Matt Breida, and uh, Coleman's been getting the work in the preseason and in camp. Uh, I I think he could be solid. Uh, and with the recent Kenyon Drake injury, I don't know how serious it is, but I know he went down. And so if if that's a prolonged injury, then Colin might have really lucked out with Kalen Balage in Miami. That is true, and he has been a riser in recent drafts. If you go and look at his. Uh average draft position he's being taken earlier and earlier so that really could be a saving grace for colin who does have some nice wide receivers on here um but nothing special at tight end and again not a lot of running back depth if zeke misses any time at all yeah i I agree with you this team's not great uh rostering a rookie tight end interesting decision uh two tight ends one of them being a rookie interesting decision uh, I love. I actually love the Deshaun Jackson pick. Deshaun Jackson back in Philly is a guy I'm targeting this year. Uh, I think he's going to make some big plays. But overall, I, I still agree with you that this team uh, doesn't really do it for me. And then the last thing on our agenda today is, of course, Campbell was auto-drafted for a source of controversy throughout our league. Shocker. Yeah. <laughs> As he had to pick his family up from the airport, we could probably be harsh on Campbell, as I assume he will not listen to this podcast. So, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's true. Yeah, you're right. So, if we go to Campbell's team, he does have some talent on here. Yeah, this could be worse. Keep America great. For a Um, team that was manually auto-drafted, is I guess how I'll describe it, this team could certainly be worse. He has some high upside guys with Kyler Murray, um, Devontae Adams, George Kittle, but a lot of question marks with guys like Derrick Henry, Leonard Fournette, um, James White in a Patriots backfield that seems to spread the ball out to everyone and anyone. And then um, a bench full of guys with limited upside. Um, 
but yeah, I I agree. I think this definitely could have went worse for being auto drafted. I think Campbell, uh, you know, if he manages this team correctly, this could be a playoff team if he gets enough production out of Derrick Henry and Leonard Fournette. I'm gonna bet against it because I doubt Campbell sets his lineup much. But from a Pierce talent standpoint, uh, it, it's for sure manageable. I personally am all the way out on Derrick Henry. I'm just not interested. I, I don't care what he did at the end of last year. I don't care that he massacred the Jaguars. Uh, I just I want nothing to do with him. Uh, James White, on the other hand, I think he actually got good value on. Because while the Patriots running backs do kind of share the load, uh, James White really has been the constant in the past three or four years. He's always the one catching passes. Uh, he's on the field for third downs. He's going to get the that production, and it seemed pretty safe. Uh, even the other guy he'd be you'd be worried about, Sony Michelle, did not show the greatest of hands last year, so I'm not too worried about him losing that passing work. Uh, at quarterback, I think Kyler Murray has a lot of upside, uh, especially his rushing potential. But I think Ben Roethlisberger is a guy who's getting overlooked a lot. Um, you know, he lost Bell, he lost Brown, but the guy who consistently throws the ball for you know four thousand yards, he's going to get his numbers. Uh, I think he could be sneaky good value for Campbell. I do agree with that. Um, and having the ability to wait out Kyler Murray to see how that offensive line will play, and if there's anyone on that team to throw the ball to. Um, being able to wait that out while starting Ben Roethlisberger the first couple of weeks will definitely help Campbell out. Um, yeah, I, uh, you know, I agree with everything you said. I think this is a pretty good team. It has some upside, but, uh, we'll see. It'll really come down to if Campbell puts the work in to keep his team updated. He won't. I agree. So I know we ran a little bit long here, but uh, is there anything else you want to talk about in this league? Any other teams that stood out to you? Anyone else you want to bring up? Um, I think Dan has assembled a pretty interesting roster. I'm not going to say good, but he's done some things here that, uh, that are quite interesting. Currently, LaShawn McCoy in the starting lineup and now this is a very polarizing pick uh someone that uh really has been cast away no one wants him but i i think he's still the starter in buffalo so uh he should he should still get that work and christian mccaffrey we know what he can do but then also with aaron Rodgers and drew Brees, uh what do you think about that decision that was very interesting at the draft um, he jumped all over Drew Brees and spent a decent amount of money on him for a quarterback just to realize that he already had Aaron Rodgers on the roster. I know Dan at the draft was talking about potentially trading a quarterback, but you know how that always goes. It doesn't. Exactly. So there is some upside on this team. It'll kind of be nice for Dan to be able to pick and play matchups with Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers, two of the best quarterbacks in the league. And I think Dan does have a lot of talent at wide receiver. I like DJ Moore this year. Mark Cooper is going to be good on Dallas. I like Cooper Cup. Um, and if he can just get half a good season out of LaShawn McCoy, maybe he'll get some value out of Kareem Hunt. Um, it is an interesting team. I do agree with you. Uh, is there anyone else you want to talk about? So one more team that um, I wanted to bring up, because in the same vein, I think this was an interesting team. Uh, Justin's team. 
He has Tom Brady at QB with Russell Wilson as a backup. I think there's plenty to like at quarterback there. And then he has an electric wide receiving core with Odell Beckham, T.Y. Hilton, and Mike Evans as the starters with even more depth behind that on the bench with Jameson Crowder. Um, But the running back strategy he took was going with very young guys like Josh Jacobs and David Montgomery. What do you think the upside is on guys like that? Yeah, this is a team I highlighted at the beginning is liking a lot. Thanks for listening, Joan. Uh, But... (laughs) But uh, as, as I said before, I think that's uh, these are guys that I'm lower on than uh, consensus seems to be. But uh, he's taken a lot of shots, and he really only needs one or two to hit with the the type of talent he has throughout the rest of the roster, especially at receiver. Uh, I like Sony Michelle a lot. Uh, I like David Montgomery more than Josh Jacobs, but I could definitely see them both being very productive they're expected to shoulder quite a bit of the load uh even in their even it being their rookie years and then austin eckler like we've mentioned before uh with the melvin gordon holdout potentially austin eckler would be in line for a lot of work yeah that um is something that definitely caught my eye it was a very interesting strategy to go with this at running back going with a lot of unproven guys or guys who are trying to win timeshares um, we'll see how that works out. That obviously has a lot of upside, but also, he does team have Geo forever. What was that? Team Geo forever. Oh, Giovanni Bernard. Huge he should still Gio be Bernard somewhere. guy. He is better than a lot of guys in this league. Well, that uh, that'll do it for me. Do you have anything else you want to add? No, it's been a it's been a pleasure podcasting with you, John. This has been a great time. I'm happy we finally got to do it. Um, this has been the ChampCast. I uh, want to hear about your guys' opinions on some of the takes we had on these teams, and I am very excited for football to yeah. finally be back. Yeah. Draft day. Johnny Manziel. Five years later, how am I the man still? Draft day. A. Wiggins. Fuck that other side, bitch. We stay winning.